Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's marriage hour today on Trending. Joining me in just a moment will be licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. I have a question for you. This is the question of the hour. Should you tell your spouse if you're attracted to someone else? Repeat it again. Should you tell your spouse if you are attracted to someone else? We're going to unpack that today on Trending, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. You can vote. I put up a poll on social media. Just follow me at Timree, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I love it. My producer, Jim, just said, I do it all the time. That's great, right? Candid, honesty. But what are your thoughts on this? It is an interesting topic in the culture where I think that we focus a lot on our emotions and how to navigate them, but sometimes we allow ourselves to get stuck in the emotions. And I think there's a lot to be said about addressing what happens when you're attracted to someone who's not your spouse. What do you do with those feelings? How do you handle it? So we'll talk about that as well as take your questions. So if you have a question, we would love to take it. Licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sikor is with me today, giving a Catholic take on your challenges, mental health crises, Uh, everything from relationships, dating, marriage, parenting, ask away. The number is 888-914-9149. I'm also going to take up an interesting argument that ABC News put out about this woman who was denied access to an abortion, yet at the end of the day has this incredible baby who we see photos of, her older daughter celebrating the life of this kid. I like how ABC tries to tell the negative story, but there's a real great positive story to this. And that is the fact that when abortion access decreases, women choose life, even when it's difficult. Why? Because physicians are forced to give real medical care, life-saving care. And so we'll talk about that a little later on during trending, as well as it's a feast this month, this whole month, where we celebrate the sacred heart of Jesus. We're going to talk about the sacred heart of Jesus. We'll start to prepare the way for diving into what this devotion means. It's been one in years past that I didn't quite understand until a couple of years ago. My husband actually bought me a book on the sacred heart of Jesus. So we'll talk about that today along with, please, please, I'm begging you, don't apologize when people try to bully you into saying there's no such thing as male and female, that marriage is important, and that it's between one man and one woman, and that someone shouldn't go with, through with bodily mutilation. I'll talk about that just a little bit, because I know we're getting a little tired coming into Pride Month already, but we'll touch on that in a moment here on Trending. Joining me now is licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. Joe, I threw this poll up on social media because I am really interested to see what people will say in this whole question of whether or not you should tell your spouse if you're attracted to someone else. I find it fascinating to see this conversation kind of making its rounds on social media again. I know when Vice President Mike Pence was in office. There was a lot of conversation about things such as this with his very strong rules with regard to engaging with people of the opposite sex. So I wanted to dive into what happens when you maybe are surprised, embarrassed, guilty, or you're feeling awkward or defensive or even shameful about an attraction you might have to someone who isn't your spouse. Where do we begin here? 
<laughs> well, you got a lot on the plate today for your show. <laughs> Good luck getting through all of that. But uh, thank you for starting with me and talking about marriage, one of my favorite topics, because relationship is really the key to our happiness more than anything else, more than the money that we make, more than the job success we have, anything. It's the quality of our relationships. And, and regarding that question, you know, what happens if you find yourself attracted to somebody else? Well, let me begin by saying there's a very good chance you might be at some point. You know, if you're married, even if you're happily married, attraction can be natural. But what do you do with it? I, I think the last thing in the world that you want to do is say, hey, honey, you know, this just occurred to me. I find myself really attracted to my neighbor. <laughs> you know, she's just gorgeous. Right. No, that's if you want to divorce immediately, I would say go ahead and go down <laughs> that track. That, what, what Especially a the neighbor idea. one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think a better question would be, uh, you know, and I would like to hear from people who have found themselves, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fascinating because I actually do get to hear it. You know, as a therapist, I hear it all the time, but people saying, first of all, I've fallen out of love. I don't find myself attracted. I find myself really attracted to this other person. So I deal with this on a daily basis, literally. But if you have people who are calling in and say, yeah, what do we do about it? I'd love to offer some solutions. But I think the better question is, what do I have to do to become more attractive to my spouse? Mm. I think that's a great question. I think so often we get focused on the other person. We say, boy, if she would only do this or he, if he was mm. that. And then when you get really desperate, when you find that the relationship is really in crisis, then somebody drags the other person in to see somebody like me, <laughs> you know, marriage and family therapist and tries to get that therapist aligned with them. See how terrible my spouse is? What do you think, Joe? <laughs> Don't you, aren't you on my side? And, and it goes downhill from there. But if we actually began and said, who is the man, who is the woman that I really long to be, to be known for, to be, you know, think about those traits that you really value, you know, when you say, watch TV or read scripture, you know, of courage, of sacrifice, of service, of strength, of, you know, real beauty. What, what are those things? And then strive to become that person. You will be far better off than having the conversation that begins with, hey, you know, I really find this other person attractive, honey. Is that okay with you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? Let me just ask your permission. You know, it's funny kind of just talking about this because I think of how many people will, you know, have maybe a crush on a celebrity. And okay, great. You know, people can say someone's attractive, but when they are maybe overly wooed and continue to chase the idea of their celebrity crush, it's odd, right? Like at a certain point, I think something's going on. And I love where you kind of dovetail this to emphasize, you know, what are you doing to be more attractive to your your spouse and I think that it all happens you know the dad bod sets in the difficulty losing weight after having children sets in a lot of things can happen in marriage that can make us physically less attractive but also emotionally or mentally less attractive in terms of how we're interacting uh, with our spouse on a day-to-day -day level and so I do wonder Joe do you find that when people tend to find themselves attracted to someone else if they maybe chase that down a little bit more because there's some level of dissatisfaction currently within the marriage? Yeah, I think that's a, a great insight. I mean, typically we are more vulnerable to infidelity even. I mean, it, the research is there. 
if we're dissatisfied with our own relationship. And it's very tricky because a lot of times, here's what makes couples counseling so tricky. One is you have two people versus one person in your office talking about their problems. And typically those two people are at odds. But here's where I find it's particularly challenging is a lot of times when we run into trouble with our spouse, we say things like, well, she just doesn't fulfill my needs or he doesn't put any, he, he doesn't understand me. Well, a lot of times, and again, this is really complex stuff here, but a lot of times what that reflects is our own family of origin experience of not feeling heard or understood or valued. And then we learn that. We, we actually sort of, that becomes a belief that we take into our adult relationships and then it replays itself out. So your spouse does something that maybe reflects, uh, you know, not caring. It might not be huge, but we interpret it as being a significant thing. And then we take all that we've learned from childhood and say, see, you don't value me, (laughs) right? And that might not be the case at all. Mm -hmm. So the question then becomes, well, what do you do with something like that? Well, then you look at your own life and you say, let me try to understand this concept where I don't feel valued. Where did this first come from? And a lot of times if we go back and we process those early childhood wounds, and I hope this doesn't sound too psychobabbly, but when we go back and process those early childhood wounds, what we find is that the adult relationship, those incidents don't bother us near as much. What I just tried to explain (laughs) in a few sentences is extraordinarily complex, and I don't know if I left everybody scratching their heads. Or I did a very good job explaining it. But <laughs> Joe, it sounds like we start to project our insecurities from childhood into our relationships, and that can impact when we find ourselves perhaps attracted to someone else or seeking out attention in other areas, or maybe experiencing dissatisfaction in our relationship. It often goes back to our own insecurities or wounds that are there. Is that right? Well, see, you just did it. You just explained everything I said much clearer. And more succinctly. (laughs) No, this is great. I'm learning from you. So this is what I'm gathering from what you're saying. So if we take it back to like being attracted to someone else, a lot of it has to do with processing feelings and emotions, right? So what, what do we do in the instance where, okay, I'm feeling dissatisfied in my marriage or I'm feeling attracted to someone else. What do we need to do to address the fact that feelings are transitory? Maybe you can discuss a little bit about how transitory feelings are and how we don't have to make such a big deal when there's an attraction or a dissatisfaction, how we need to work through that emotion so that the mini crush or the mini attraction doesn't become something more in terms of infidelity. Yeah, I think we always have to guard our relationships, you know, particularly, obviously, the most important relationship, our, our marriage. We always have to guard that. And, and the question is, how do we do that? Well, a lot of bad therapy, as I say, or a lot of bad conversation between couples is talking about what is wrong. You know, gosh, you've, you know, whatever it is, as if it's mundane or, you know, you've gained weight or you don't make me laugh or you don't, you know, whatever else. We, we focus on these things that are wrong rather than talking about what is right, you know, and what is good in ourselves, in, in our relationships, and in the other person. If you think about it, you know, what drew you to getting married? If you look back at that time and say, boy, we used to laugh 
and play and we spent hours listening to each other wanting to learn about the other person you know sharing uh, creating shared dreams and supporting our individual dreams all that that excitement and enthusiasm is what we need to continue to sort of build and work on on a day-to-day basis my wife would be the first to tell you <laughs> you know she goes oh wow you're grumpy right yeah <laughs> i haven't had any coffee yet this morning i'm grumpy or wow you don't really want to talk about this yeah that's right it's really late and i've had a long day i don't want to talk about this <laughs> right but that's transitory you know our our mood can change based on if it's sunny or cloudy it's rainy if we're hungry if we're tired you know, we and, and then all of a sudden we have that emotion and we try to judge our life too critically based on that feeling. And again, feelings change all the time. Feelings can be instructive, but feelings aren't the ultimate, you know, arbitrator of, you know, should we be attracted to this other person? Should we, I move on from this relationship? So it, it can be complicated, but I'd say the first thing is to look at your own life and say, Who's responsible for my happiness? Who's responsible for me feeling good? You are. Start mm-hmm. there and, and everything else will flow. Something I notice in marriage, and I think it really does tie back to this whole, you know, kind of looking for the grass to always be greener uh, somewhere else, right? Is I find, at least in marriage for me, this challenge sometimes when you're you, just what you talked about, you know, your spouse recognizes that you're in a bad mood, you're grumpy, you're tired, whatever it might be. I think that I see a lot, both for myself and in a lot of marriages, where we struggle as spouses to just allow the other spouse to move through whatever they're experiencing. So maybe someone had a difficult day and they're grumpy. Giving the space for that to occur sometimes rather than being like, okay, you know, today's been a hard day for me too, and you just need to suck it up. Like finding the balance between saying okay carry on or saying okay you know giving you the space to allow that to occur because I find a lot of I think especially women have a harder time with allowing their husbands to go through that while still needing to have expectations to be helped with maybe even things day to day in the home yeah uh, yeah, I think that's again a great insight sometimes we're served much better by stepping back you know, I, it, it brings me, when we were children, we're actually pretty good at this. When, when you were a teenager, say, Timory, and you really wanted to go out with your girlfriends or go on a date, you know, when you're a teenager or something like that, but you knew it was a little bit going to be tricky. You know, it's like not everything was going great at home. You weren't sure if mom and dad were going to say, yeah, sure, that sounds fine. You looked at your mom or dad before you asked permission. And without any advanced degree in psychology, Mm. you were able to determine if this was a good time to ask them or not. Hey, can I go out (laughs) Saturday night, (laughs) right? Teenagers have greater wisdom, you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, not exactly. But what I'm saying is intuitive, we actually understand if this is a good time to talk, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But what we do as adults sometimes is we become afraid. We see our spouse, let's say, unhappy. And then we assume it's our responsibility. Either we've made them unhappy or it's our job to make them happy. And we act out of that desperation, mm-hmm. trying to change them, trying to make them happy or whatever else. And sometimes the most mature thing to do, like what you did as a teenager, you know, before asking mom or dad if you could go out, is to say, hey, you know what? This isn't a good time. Let me just step back. Let, we didn't try to change mom or dad. We just waited for that time 
to be optimum to ask them that question. And I think sometimes as couples, we have to do the same things like, hey, they're really struggling right now. It's okay. Reach out. Hey, do you want to talk? Is there anything I can do? Nope. <laughs> okay, fine. You know, let's do it and come back. And, and then later on, the you may want to talk about that. You may not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So taking the time to gauge the situation, not forcing a conversation or forcing the situation to occur. And I love that you point back to teenagers. You know, a lot of the times teens, teens are great, you know, sometimes being manipulative, but teenagers are great at uh, often pulling back and recognizing this isn't a good time to get what I would like, right? Or to address what needs to be discussed. So I really appreciate that reference. Okay, so kind of a brief moment here. I'd like to pause and say, okay, so someone is feeling attracted to someone else. When that starts to occur, how do you process through that emotion and feeling to move beyond it and not allow it to become a thing that can turn into different types of infidelity, whether it be emotional or physical? Well, I think we always have to guard marriage. You know, it's like guarding our hearts, guarding our faith belief. I I think, you know, we do things as Catholics, you know, we show up to mass at least once a week, right? We we honor the Sabbath. We we do these things to to try to grow in holiness, whatever it is. That's minimum. Hopefully we, we strive to do more. And I think in marriage, we have to do the same thing. We really have to guard our hearts because yes, you can look at that TV star and you say, wow, they're wonderfully attractive. And then what the brain does, and this is where it's so tricky, the brain adds in all kinds of other information. We believe we looked at that attractive movie star and we know how he or she is at the dinner table. We assume they're going to be a great mother or a great provider, a great father. We think they're going to be brave and, and, and self-sacrificing, right? The brain makes all of these assumptions, most of which are wrong. <laughs> you know, so so we have to, first of all, pull back and say, wait a second, what, what kind of tricks is the brain playing on me right now? But I would say more importantly, rather than always trying to fight that battle, we have to go back and say, well, how do I protect this marriage? You go back to that place of engagement. You go back to that place of play. If a couple were coming to me, and I've done this before, <laughs> right? Maybe sometimes at the end of the session, they said, wait, we paid how much to get this advice? (laughs) But sometimes couples come to me and say, oh, we just don't communicate. And at the end of an hour session or something, I might say, okay, what I want you to do, here's your homework. I want you to go play. I want you to go have a, a great deal of fun. What did you used to do? Oh, we used to go to the beach and romp in the water and eat hot dogs afterwards. Okay, I want you to go do that. What? But we came in because we don't communicate. I know. We'll talk about that next week. Next week they come in. I go, hey, did you go do that play assignment? Yeah, we did. Oh, tell me about it. Right? And they start talking about what worked, what went well, how much they enjoyed each other, that they were laughing together. And then what you discover all of a sudden is, hey, maybe we don't have to have this argument Mm -hmm. because the focus of the relationship is what is going well what we are enjoying with each other. So I think that's how we guard against that. We, we're proactive and in, in ensuring that we're doing what we need to do to take care of ourselves, to take responsibility for our own mental, emotional, spiritual health. And then we, we share that. We invite our spouse into that joyful place that we create. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's helpful (laughs) kind of for navigating those experiences when they occur. Because I think a lot of people get scared. They feel ashamed, embarrassed, surprised, or maybe bold in feeling that because they've not before and they explore it. So I think these are really important things to kind of process and figure out. I want to hear what you think, though, if you'd like to share your thoughts on whether or not you should tell your spouse if you're attracted to someone else or not. You can go ahead and vote on my poll on Instagram. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Jody's on the line from Las Vegas. Jody, what do you think? Should you tell your spouse if you're attracted to someone else? I absolutely don't think so. I think it'll be so destructive. I mean, it depends on the context. I mean, if there's a man and he tells his wife, you know, um, you're the most beautiful woman in the world and you're just, you have the most beautiful heart. You're the best wife, such an amazing mom. And, you know, oh, I saw, you know, oh, and, you know, this lady came in today. You know, she's a pretty lady. I'm so glad I'm married to you, though. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I just don't think it could be, um, I think you're going down a slippery slope if you start the habit of doing that. I know there's people that say, oh, we have such a, open communicative relationship we're faithful and loyal to each other we just tell each other everything and you know i i think there's some certain thoughts that that don't necessarily they're not really constructive i don't know you have to look at what is your goal what is your goal what what are you trying to accomplish by communicating that to someone that you love more than anyone Mm -hmm. i mean why would you say something to someone you wouldn't say to your own child you know, you might tell your, your child that, you know, they're beautiful, they're great at this, but then you say, oh, I saw this other kid. Oh, they were so perfect in this way, that way. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't do that to your child. Why would you, Good perspective. Why would you yeah. do that to your wife? Yeah, Jody, <laughs> I think these are keen insights, like flipping it into a positive if you do say something. Joe, any thoughts here? Uh, I, I can't believe how much I agree with Jody. I absolutely, she sounds like a therapist to me or a therapist (laughs) in making, or she would be a great therapist or a great mother, a great wife. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I I love her point. It's like, you wouldn't do that to your own child. It's like, Hey, you played that soccer game pretty well, but boy, that kid down the street. Now he's got a future. (laughs) He is really special. (laughs) You know, you just wouldn't do it because you know, here's the other thing too. I, I agree with her completely is we can talk ourselves into something. You know, if we start having these conversations like, wow, wouldn't it be great just to, you know, tell my wife that, yeah, I like her, but not that much. Or, or <laughs> boy, I'm really attracted to this other person. You know, we open our brains, we open our hearts, you know, to, yeah. to, to go down that path and it's not going to be useful. That's licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura here on Trending. If you have a question for him, we're taking your questions now. The number is 888-914-9149. You can also ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Lots of questions coming in. Everything from addiction to parenting. Lots on parenting today. We'll be right back with Joe Sakura. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's Marriage Hour today on Trending. Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist Joe Sikor is with me. We are taking your questions. Let's kick it off with Joanna from Orange County, California. What's your question for Joe today? 
Hi, Joe. I miss you on the radio very much. Um, thank you for everything. So my question is, I've been married for 25 years. And um, I have known my husband for like 30 years. <laughs> we have kids late, so my son's almost 10 years old. We almost never agree on anything when it comes to parenting. Like 100% not agree on anything. And my son is, um, will be 10 years old soon. So I don't want that to continue. And then it's really difficult when he grow up. So what advice do you have for me? Great question. I'll just summarize real quick, Joanna. Your question is, how can you get on the same page with your husband with parenting? And I know you gave an example earlier. You tell your son to finish his homework and your husband says, let him play and he'll finish it later. So, Joe, how do you address discontinuity in marriage with parenting styles like this as Joanna sharing? Well, it's a real challenge, so I'm not going to minimize it. But I would say this. Is she still on the line, Joanna? I am, yes. Okay. How is your marriage? What does it look like between the two of you? I say, I mean, we have problem, but it's, it's nothing like um, a big problem. You know, we disagree on, again, <laughs> a lot of stuff, but it's just small stuff. Like, let's say, for an example, if we so, go somewhere. Hold on. What, I, let, let, me, let me jump in just for time's sake, Joanna. And I, you deserve all the time in the world I, I could give you, but I just don't have the time right now. It's not mine to give. But what do you do really well in your marriage? Like, do you, do you love, do you laugh? Do you, do you play together? Do you worship together? What do your kids see you do well? I do very well with worship together. So we go to church every week. We never miss. That's my, my thing. And uh, we always go together as a couple. Your, your kids see that you, you worship together? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And and so what does that mean? How does that play out? When you worship together, when you come before the Lord together, how does that reflect in your marriage? What do you feel like God calls you to do? I say God called me to, um, you know, take care of my son and my husband. And I tell you, when I say take care, I mean from A to Z. My husband's job is only to go to work and maybe sometimes <laughs> take the trash out. I do everything, A to Z, for the family and for my son. And sometimes, I, you, not sometimes, but a lot of time, I feel like, you know, that's, that's my calling, right? Uh-huh. Do you do it joyfully? I, yes <laughs> and no. Yes and no. Sometimes um, I get frustrated because I do so much, right? And for me, so this is my biggest problem. My biggest problem is I'm on time. I'm very, very punctual. My husband and my son are 100% different than me. Sometimes I feel like, how did we survive 25 years when we have almost everything opposite? And, and if you're not punctual, uh, let me ask kind of a ridiculous question. When your husband and your son are 100% of the time not punctual, how close to death has that ever brought you? Never. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. Okay. Never. So I, I know it's a silly question, right? But I, I think that some of these things, I think you're reading into some of these negatives. And I'm not saying it wouldn't drive me crazy either. 
right? I like to be the mass on time and everything else, a dinner on time, movies on time. But I, sometimes we can read too much into what the other person is doing. And your husband, your son, they're not on time. And you're interpreting that as they don't care for me. They don't respect me. They don't love me. They don't appreciate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. There, there's some kind of interpretation that you're making. Now, again, I'm not denying that it can't be a trait that drives you a little crazy. It would me too. But I wouldn't go too far in interpreting what is going on. You know, when you come before the Lord and what you do really well together, which is to pray, is to celebrate, is to live out your faith. Remember, core to our faith is to live joyfully, is to live gratefully. When Jesus healed the lepers, right? The one time he healed a leper and he said, don't talk about this. Just let your grateful life, let people see what happened to you in your life. And I think sometimes that's the mistake that we make is we forget to live joyfully. We, we do what we do, but we do it with resentment or, or grudgingly. And I think we have everything to live for, including all of eternity. And when we lose sight of that, we lose our joy. And then we focus on everything that is wrong. So let me ask you one more question. I don't want to hold you on you know, longer than you want to be, and I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you would, tell me one thing that is great about your husband. What do you love about him? Um, I love almost everything about him. He's very faithful. He's all about family. Um, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He never say mean thing to me. He go to work. You know, he make money, all the money. How much time do you spend telling him? How much time do you spend telling him how wonderful he is? You got me. I always tell him how (laughs) not wonderful. (laughs) I (laughs) always tell him all the bad things. But I mean, inside of me, I every time I'm 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 feeling this way, I said, you know what? At least he's like that, right? But you just said something that is so. You've got to let him know. You've got to let him know. You've got to let him write all that you feel on the inside, all that he does right. You've got to express that. If you focus on what is wrong, there will be a wedge between the two of you and it'll only grow. All right? Okay. You know what? One more thing. And then I know a lot of people is waiting, but I try so hard to make an appointment with you, but I never got to, to make the appointment with you. And I will keep trying Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Well, I love you guys so much. I mean, relevant radio is like so awesome. And Joe, I cannot wait. I pray one day you will come back on the radio. Well, I'm here right now. Yep. <laughs> so let's we, just be grateful for that. <laughs> Amen. We bring Joe on. We love Joe here on Trending. That's Joe Sakura. And thanks for calling, Joanna. I think that's a great question. So many people, I think, can learn from that. The importance of complimenting your spouse uh, to build up that continuity between the two of you to help in those parenting challenges. John's on the line from Los Angeles, California, with a question for Joe today. John, what's your question? Hey, thank you for uh, allowing me to be on the line, Joe. Big fan. Love your love your work. Thank you, Tim Ray. So two, I actually have uh, two specific questions. Uh, first question is, Joe, you talked a little bit earlier about um, just you were alluding to childhood trauma. And so my in the, in the couples that you deal with, uh, Catholic couples that you deal with, where a partner or both partners have experienced, you know, a significant degree of, of childhood trauma, what are like the top three things or focus areas that you tell 
uh, those couples or individuals to, to do practical things. Um, and then secondly, uh, what are, as a, as a Catholic parent, what are the top three things uh, that we should be saying to our children every day? Like of all the things that you, you had to, you had to think about, like what, what are the top three things that you think we should be telling our children every day? Boy, those are two great questions, and I, I wish we had about an hour and a half to mm-hmm. really go through all of that. What what great, thoughtful questions! I, I would let me start with the number two first. What do we tell our children as you know, good Catholic parents or Protestant parents or any kind of parents who want to be great parents? I think we just have to really be available to them. I think we've got to love on them. I think we've got to play with them. I think we've got to pray with them. I, I think we've got to just just let them know that they matter. And, and I think what that might look like is we sit down to just listen to them, you know, to hear them, even if their problems sound silly. You know, we all had those silly problems. When your problems are at eight years old, they're going to be, you know, eight-year-old problems. But just to let them know that they really matter, that that they are heard, that they're understood, and that they're loved. And, and there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. I think as parents, what I would love to see every family do more, I, I'm a big outdoors guy. So I, mm. I go, when I run, I go run up in the mountains. And when I see a family, I always stop and talk to them and, and just, you know, encourage them and just tell them how cool that I think is that it is that they're out there together as a family. I think we've got to do all of that because, and let me segue into the first part of your question. The, the most problematic thing that comes from childhood is not the significant huge traumas. You know, Most people haven't been sexually assaulted. It happens, right? Or they haven't been, you know, they haven't been beaten nearly to death as a child. Wh- whatever trauma, those big traumas, it's usually the smaller traumas that actually shape our experience, our belief about ourselves. So, John, for instance, if you had a, a father who just never paid attention to you, or maybe your dad left, right? Maybe he, he divorced and, and because the marriage was bad and you just never saw him anymore, right? Uh, you know, you might grow up thinking, I'm not worthy, you know, I, I'm not lovable because you maybe didn't consciously interpret that because this is because dad left, but this is what you've come to believe. So it's the small traumas. Now, what do we do with that? How do we address that? I think the most important thing is, remember, we can't be, we can't be therapists to our spouses, but we can be great listeners. We can be really curious. Tell me about your childhood. What did you come to believe you know, that, that your mom and dad divorced. What, what did that mean to you? What do you think happened as a result of that to you? You know, what did you come to believe about yourself? Just be curious and have those conversations with your spouse. And I think a lot can come out of that. But what great questions. And I, I feel like I'm being inadequate and with the short answer. That's Joe Sakura here on Trending with Tim Ray. We're taking your calls, numbers 888-914-9149. Ask a therapist here on Trending. Elizabeth's on the line, has a question about marriage as well. Elizabeth, welcome to Trending. What's your question for Joe? Uh, uh, Dr. Sakura? Just Joe. No doctor. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, Dr. Joe. Uh, no, just Joe. <laughs> I think this is a little... Uh, 
I, I'm going to ask you a Freudian question. Oh boy! All right. Is there a, okay? Is there a connection between a woman's obesity and a husband's infidelity? Well, I don't know how Freudian we have to get into that. Uh, it's it's a great question. It's a deep question. I, I would say that we can accept and love each other no matter our weight. Uh, but I would say when we become really dissatisfied with ourselves, we might be more inclined to abuse our bodies. Uh, and if we're dissatisfied with ourselves and abuse ourselves, we, our spouse might be less inclined to find us attractive. And again, this isn't about weight. It's about self-loathing. So I think when we really learn to love ourselves as God wants us to, to love yourself as you love others, love others as you love yourself, then I, we take care of ourselves. So anything can lead to infidelity, but it's mostly distance. When you lose that sense of connection with your spouse, that's what leaves us susceptible to infidelity. Mm. Isn't that so key? You know, it's interesting taking it broader, Joe, how when we treat ourselves in particular ways, how we view ourselves really does impact how we view our place in marriage, how we honor don't honor fidelity and how others honor us as well it's incredible to kind of to see that influence that can occur uh, so many questions are coming in you're listening to trending with timory here on relevant radio we have time for one more question ss critters on social media ask sometimes setting boundaries with our teens seems like a battle what is the best advice you have for boundaries with teenagers uh prepare yourself for the battle <laughs> they they need you to be stable they need that sense of security and surety in their life and sometimes the best word that we can hear from our parents is no you can't do that um you know it's i think i i don't believe in saying no because i said so you know we can offer explanations and try to explain ourselves sometimes it's not going to work but boundaries are good and healthy uh, even within our marriages, uh, everything else. You know, God gave us the Ten Commandments <laughs> uh, for a reason. They're boundaries. They're, they're minimums. Uh, so life is more than just boundaries, but, you know, we've got to know where yes ends and where no begins. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I think, you know, again, bolstering those marriages, helping them to be strengthened. And at the heart of so many of your answers that I hear when you come here on training, we talk about marriage and relationships and dating, but back to marriages, are we enjoying our time together as spouses? Are we complimenting each other? Are we building each other up? Are we putting in the time in that relationship? Things get so busy in marriage, you know, children. And, you know, I'm seeing it now with just having had our second, how quickly life goes by and how it can go by without ever really looking at each other or talking to each other or enjoying each other. So that advice, I think, is always so fundamental. And I hope we will take that to heart and live it out and schedule some time on the calendar to make it a priority. Joe, you have a new book out. Can you tell us where people can pick it up today? Amazon. The whole world is going crazy, but you don't have to. Scriptural and psychological healing. I address a lot of what we talked about today in that book. And by the way, I don't make a dollar off it. It, it all goes into my ministry, uh, any profits that come from the book. I just want to help. I want to do my part. God has given us a brief time here on this earth, and we're called to love each other. So that's why I wrote that book. And it's, it's always wonderful. Book. It's always wonderful to be with you, Tim. You do a great job. 
Thank you for joining me today, Joe. And we'll post a link to your book as well. The whole world's going crazy. You don't have to. A perspective from psychology and your faith to address current challenges that you are living through. I'll be right back here today on Trending. Talk about not caving or backing down and apologizing when you speak the truth with love and much more. We'll be right back. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888 914 9149. Welcome back. I do want to take just a moment because I know we're all a little tired. Pride Month has just started, but everyone's talking about it. And we are going to be joined by a heroic mom who took her child, her minor, back from a transgender identity. She saved her child's life from the mob that is pushing absolute confusion with regard to who you are as a human being. So she'll share her story tomorrow. But I just want to say for a moment, please don't apologize for speaking the truth with love. Don't back down. I was reading a story of Blue Jays pitcher Anthony Bass and how he apologized and gave the typical I was wrong narrative. I need to educate myself. I can't believe I said this and I I really need to learn to be better and I didn't mean to offend anyone. No, truth is truth. And if a mob comes after you telling you otherwise, don't cave. The words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 8, he said, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Don't be afraid to preach the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the creator of the universe, who created you, who created me, who created the children who are suffering in a transgender identity today, children who are suffering in an overly sexualized culture. Do not allow people who are loud and in your face to frighten you into speaking the truth. And I pray for all of those who are heroically stepping out and sharing that. We have a dear friend, family friend, uh, who's spoken out, who's in the Major League Baseball, uh, Major (laughs) Major Leagues, and he is frightened in terms of, you know, there's concern for their family over him having spoken out against this because they are cruel when they hear you disagree. But it's false threats. Just like they gave false threats to target over uh, silly, silly bomb threats. We need to pray for people who are speaking truthfully, that they are bold and courageous and also safe as well. So don't be afraid when you hear these things. It's going to be a difficult month. It already has been a difficult couple weeks leading in. But remember, Jesus Christ told us the truth will set us free. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Tomorrow, I want to take up the story of a woman who baby. And actually, I'll just share you with you a little bit about it now. There was a story that was circulating from ABC News this last day or two. A woman out of Tennessee who uh, the headline read that a woman received an emergency hysterectomy after doctors denied her an early abortion. And I am looking right at the face of this beautiful little baby girl who would not be here today 
if Roe versus Wade had not been overturned a year ago this month, praise the Lord, and if Tennessee did not have such strong pro-life laws, the heartbeat law that makes it so that babies cannot be aborted once a heartbeat is detected in that state. This woman, well, yes, had unique and very concerning medical needs, was not given access to an abortion that is not medical care because the law did not allow physicians to give her an abortion. She has a baby today. Was her pregnancy challenging and even medically challenging? Yes. Were there medical challenges because her baby had to be delivered prematurely? Yes. But that baby girl is thriving after challenges that occurred. And I don't think the media should be exploiting this woman talking about how she was denied an abortion and should have had an abortion when she's here trying to find the new normal after all the medical challenges she and her baby faced. Women deserve better. And thank God people in Tennessee and across this nation have fought for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, for pro-life laws in Tennessee, because I want you to go and look at that picture of that baby. I put the picture of the baby up on my Facebook and Instagram story. And every time you hear people say, well, women don't have access to basic medical care. Women are dying because there isn't access to abortion. That is a lie. Babies are alive today because you have fought and you have prayed for the life of children and for the lives of women. For women to be given true, authentic medical care. Again, that baby wouldn't be there if it weren't for the fact that authentic medical care was given to her. And I pray that for her, as she bonds with her child, she faces the fact that she even considered having an abortion or that she was pressured to have an abortion, that she and her family thrive. So I hope you'll go and look at that photo because that's the true story that we should be talking about, not the lie that women are being denied access to medical care. And if you want to listen, we'll post the link on social media as well as in the episode notes. Abortion is never necessary, perhaps in early delivery, but we never, there's no such thing as life-saving medical care that goes in and intentionally kills a baby so that a mom can live. Again, perhaps early delivery, even at a phase when the baby may not thrive outside of the womb or potentially even live. But we never go in and kill the baby before giving that baby a fighting chance. There are two patients and we honor them both. And we have had a number of OBGYNs and emergency doctors that have helped with high-risk pregnancies who have said abortion has never been necessary and will never be so. We'll post a link on whether or not abortion is necessary to save a woman's life. But look, go look at that baby and praise God. That is the accomplishment of what happens when Roe versus Wade is overturned and states like Tennessee implement heartbeat laws where a baby cannot be aborted once a heartbeat is detected. This is what we need to continue to fight for. And we need to look at those pictures of those babies and sing hallelujah, praise God that Roe versus Wade has been overturned and we continue to fight for life state to state. Be encouraged even as these challenges arise and false headlines show up such as they did on ABC News this morning for me. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio. This month is a special month. 
In the Catholic calendar, we've always celebrated this month as, for a number of years now, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. There are a number of fantastic writings on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I will say, up until about a year or two ago, I really just didn't get the Sacred Heart of Jesus devotion. And it's something I'm still coming into. There are many pieces of work that I highly recommend, though, that I have been reading through the last couple of years. One of them is an encyclical on the Sacred Heart by Pope Pius XII that was written in 1956. I'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes to that encyclical. I recommend printing it, reading it. I mean, if you want to read it on your phone, great. I love the hard copies. You can highlight, you can read it, set it by your bedside table, wherever you like to read. Even if it's just a paragraph or two a day as we make our way through this month devoted to the Sacred Heart. A couple of things kind of to set us up, and we'll talk more about the Sacred Heart as the month goes on, is I was pondering earlier today, you know, why, again, it always comes back to why do we have this devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? We have a devotion to the person of Jesus Christ, and we ponder the life of Christ, that beating, living, fleshly heart that Jesus Christ was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, truly God and truly man. And I think of, when I think of the Sacred Heart, that moment at the Last Supper when the beloved Apostle John, the youngest of the bunch, leans his head against the chest of Christ. And I just think for a moment, isn't that what we should be doing in prayer? Isn't that not just what we should do in prayer, but every single moment of our day that we're resting against the chest of Christ? pondering the reality of the fact that through the life of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection, we have life now in this moment and it is only through his grace in the world to come with him in heaven. Think about that for just a moment. Think about the reality, philosophically understanding that if it were not for Jesus Christ himself, if it were not for God we would not have existence at this moment. I'm reading, and I, this is the second year I've gone through it. My husband bought me this beautiful book. It was published, uh, th- this version republished in 1890 before she was even a saint, uh, 17th century saint, Saint Mary, Margaret Mary Alacoe. And the book is a full book or day-to-day devotion on the Sacred Heart. It's beautiful and old and it smells so good. A nice old book and I'm just reading for a moment some of the words from St. Margaret Mary Alico because she was one of the saints who pushed forward devotion to the Sacred Heart yet again. And she reveals this conversation she was having with our Lord where he said, where he says, we will see this, uh, this battle between the two of us and we will see who will gain victory, creator or creature, strength or weakness, he who can do all things or she who can do nothing, but the one who shall be the victor shall be so forever. So as we ponder this month of the Sacred Heart, understand it from the perspective of it's turning to our Lord Jesus Christ, resting your head on his heart, the creator of the universe, the life source of all that lives, and the one to whom we are meant to be with in heaven, that's what the devotion to the Sacred Heart is all about, that devotion and that union with Jesus Christ himself. I'll be back tomorrow here on Trending. Up next is a family rosary across America.
This is Timory from Trending with Timory. A heroic mom is going to join me Friday on Trending, sharing her story as a Catholic mom about having saved her daughter from a transgender identity after having been influenced by social media and the shocking wave it brought to the family and sorrow, how she intervened to take back her child from the culture that is truly targeting our children. So join me to hear this heroic mom share her story and her daughter's story, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.